three, two, one. Welcome to the System and Soul podcast, a place for founders and entrepreneurs to discover breakthrough in their business. I'm Benj Miller, fellow founder, business coach, and your host. This is your place to gain clarity and control as you lead through the challenges you face every day in your business. Running a business is just hard, so we're bringing you the conversations with people who are figuring it out, have figured it out, to help you find breakthrough. Welcome to the System and Soul podcast. System and Soul, welcome back. This is your host, Benj Miller, and we're taking a little turn on this episode and the following episode to have a conversation with some close friends about intentionality. And the reason that we're diving into this is I've growing in my awareness that the number one enemy to our businesses and to the lives that we want to live is the tyranny of the urgent. And we become reactive to the thing that boils up to the top of our inbox or our to-do list or whoever knocks on our door. And the way that we fight that is with intentionality. And so I, I invited two of my friends in here that are the most intentional people that I know. And just letting you listen in to a conversation as we think about and shape our new year and how we're going uh, about different aspects of our lives with intentionality. Hope you enjoy. System and soul, welcome. You're about to be blessed today. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. It's going to be a little different than what you're used to on the podcast. So uh, sit back and enjoy a little bit of a different format and pretend you're in the room with us because I've got two of my great friends. Uh, one of the things we need in life is allies as we go through this journey together. And these are two men that are absolute allies to me and my journey. And we are to each other. And the crazy thing is that we're all three friends separately, but we've never sat in the same room together. Uh, So this is going to be a really fun conversation. Uh, The intentionality of these two guys was the impetus for their Uh, invitation to come and hang out. These guys are two of the absolute most intentional people that I know. And they're intentional in their conversations and their relationships and their time, energy, money, like all areas of life. And it's going to be fun because they do it in very, very different ways. Robbie is a starter and Mark is a maximizer. So they couldn't be more opposite, yet at the same time, we've got massive loads of intentionality. So as we kick this off, as we get started, I'm going to let you guys introduce yourself. Tell us what you do for work, your organization, uh, maybe how long you've been married, and what your current kid's situation looks like. Awesome. Good morning, Binge, Robbie. Absolute pleasure. Shame that we have not been in a room together. We've certainly spent a lot of time uh, one-on-one, and what a blessing to get to spend some time together, the three of us, this this morning. Uh, Mark Butler, I am 43 years old. Um, I have a beautiful wife, Sarah. We will have been married 15 years this February. Uh, We have four children that range from uh, 11-year-old. I have three boys, 11, 9, and 7, and then a baby girl who is the absolute apple of my eye who is three years old um 
from a leadership development perspective and intentionality, since this is the the topic of this discussion this morning, I, I feel in my life I've really focused on achieving some excellence through selective neglect. And so I am absolutely laser focused in three different areas. So first and foremost, that's my family with uh, my wife and four children. Second, that's the leadership development group that I start and lead on a yearly basis. So um, my co-mentor Marcus and I, uh, we just wrapped up our fifth group uh, where we have uh, take on uh, typically six very high potential leaders on a yearly basis and do a very intensive uh, leadership development group of those guys partnered with uh, Buckhead Church. Uh, and then finally, I am heavily involved in coaching youth sports. So with my three boys are very athletic, very active. So I've spent uh, the last seven years, uh, I'm currently coaching my 29th and 30th season across baseball, basketball, and football and soccer. So I've got two different basketball teams I'm coaching right now. And looking back at it, that's 272 athletes I've got to pour in over the last seven years, which is amazing. That's sweet. I'm going to pick up, we're going to come back to uh, especially the leadership development piece, but also the intentionality through this sports stuff you do because i know that you don't take that as a passive role either so robbie hey it's good to be here y'all uh, robbie angle i intentionally don't coach any of my kids sports um i've been married to emily for 18 years we have eight children uh all 12 to almost four uh so eight and eight years uh six boys two girls five adopted three bio we have amazing dance parties at my house. Um, I, I lead a ministry called True Face. It's a 27 year old, uh, ministry that helps equip people to experience deeper relationships with God and others. And we built a toolbox of relational discipleship tools to help them do that. Um, and on the side, I hustle real estate to feed my eight kids and fund adoptions. Uh, so little business to, to scratch my entrepreneurial itch while I've been in ministry. Yeah, Robbie's got an amazing knack, almost a uh, Midas touch of like being able to like find something on Facebook and flip it and make money every single time, whereas I have the opposite experience. <laughs> uh, but his his real estate side hustle is not a, is not small. It's it's actually quite impressive. I think there was a moment, Robbie, you mentioned in your kids. There was a moment where you had eight kids under eight. Yeah, it was it was a it was a silly moment. <laughs> it was in <laughs> I just as you were going through that, I just remember that. I don't think I've ever talked about it. I've been married to Erica for twenty three years, uh, a little over twenty three years. And our kids are fourteen, twelve, ten, and eight. Uh and those were intentional too, because we, we were married for nine years. We did not think we wanted kids at all. And uh, now we have four and they, they are really fun and in a cool, I'm cherishing the, the season between diapers and teenage rebellion. Oh, it's the best. We're almost out of time on that, but uh, we're still in it. So it's, it's feeling good at the moment. Let's, let's, we're talking about intentionality. So let's just start kind of big picture. What is kind of your primary maybe mode coming into a new year? It's. It's usually for most people a time of like a little bit of reflection and a little bit of dreaming turned into planning. 
what what is your mindset coming into this new year? Uh, Ben's for me, um, I, I I heard a quote last year, early last year, that just kind of burned a hole inside of me, and it's been on my mind ever since. And it's from one of my favorite pastors. His name's Matt Chandler. He preaches out of Texas, and it, the quote is, "If you want to feel the pleasure of God." find your gift and serve his people. Again, it's if you want to feel the pleasure of God, find your gift and serve his people. And so for the last year plus, I've been really diving deep on exactly what is my gift and how can I absolutely maximize it with my family and these leadership development groups and then youth sports and church and community and all the other aspects of my life. And uh, my gift, I mean, undoubtedly is the gift of encouragement. And I, I feel like that maybe the first half of my life, I maybe uh, used that in more of a manipulative aspect. And then uh, more recently, I've really, really been able to to hone that gift. So that's from, uh, I mean, if you're breaking it down into maybe those three different key pieces that I'm working in right now from a family perspective. I mean, I, last night, I read a chapter of Harry Potter to my seven-year-old, and then I got my phone, and I read this. This is something that a Bob Goff parenting recommendation, but got my phone and turned it around on selfie mode and uh, showed my son uh, a picture of himself, and I was like, son, you are an absolute warrior and a champion, and uh, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and I love you, and everyone you know loves you, and to see a a seven-year-old light up with something like that and being able to just speak to his heart is something that I think is a, a true blessing from a father to son. And then, uh, I mean, these leadership development groups, the, the more that I've done it over the last five years and then just leading in general to be able to uh, take one of these high-potential leader young men. I mean, I, I'm very selective and intentional in the guys that I take in my group on a yearly basis. I mean, all these guys are, I mean, like us, maybe a season behind, I mean, super high potential business guys, missiles, but I mean, maybe not quite so guided missiles as Reggie, <laughs> Reggie Campbell would say. And then to, I mean, be able to speak to those guys, speak to their hearts. I mean, there's been, I, I've had multiple moments in the last uh, five years where it's like Robin Williams and, and Goodwill Hunting, and it's like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And I mean, to see a guy break down like that and get, I mean, kind of snot bubble crying moments between me and a, another young man has been an amazing. And then from a, I mean, a youth sports perspective was where I, I spend a lot of time to, I mean, take a kid that may or may not have a dad that's involved and get down on one knee and put your hand on his shoulder and be like, man, I believe in you. You, you absolutely have what it takes. So for, I mean, this last year has really been focusing on that encouragement gift and trying to, I mean, maximize investment in those three areas. Hey, leader, did you know there's 261 business days in a year? And statistically, most business leaders are balancing about that many opportunities, issues, problems, bouncing around in their head at one time. So we created the261.com. Go there, put your email in, and we're going to organize all those things and send you one daily email that's about this long. It's going to take you about five seconds to read, but it's going to remind you of that thing that you need to remember, that thing you need to do or schedule as a leader to be who you want to be. Go check it out, sign up, follow along. See you there. What was the process like 
to be able to land and have such clarity that you're, you have the gift of encouragement. So double down, focus on that and pour it into those areas. Like to get to encouragement as a singular thing that you possess to give, what was that process? I'm, Benji, I think it's probably a lot of process elimination just to see that I'm don't have that many more gifts uh, to share maybe. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I don't think I'm ever going to have the wisdom of a Reggie Campbell or a John Ritchie or you two guys, or I'm not a, a business consultant or an expert in a lot of that stuff by, by any means, but I, I feel like I've always been able to, to pick something out that, uh, what, what does this guy need to hear? What does this child need to hear? And then be able to, to, to speak that into someone. So I think it's through process of elimination. And then I think also it's through my marriage. So, I mean, my, my beautiful wife, Sarah is built completely different and she is absolutely not a words of affirmation person. So, I mean, that encouragement, I mean, falls flat on her. Like I can go do the dishes and she will light up at an act of service. But when it comes down to like heaping on encouragement or praise, it's it's just, I mean, it falls flat. So I think a lot of that's through my marriage and learning that, Hey, maybe this is my gift and how to use it and where to use it. It's been an an evolution in that process. That's cool. Mark, I think you're attractive and wonderful and I love you. Thank you. In case Sarah doesn't tell you those words lately, I just wanted to tell you, make sure. Thank you. (laughs) There's also um there's there's also a um a discernment that you're talking about that impacts that encouragement, right? So it's like it's it's not just flippant encouragement, it's it's discerning encouragement. So that's cool. Robbie, do you know what you're if you had to if you had to say your gifts in one word, what would it be? Gosh, that wasn't your first question. Your first question was what am I I I'm coming back to that. I'm coming back to that, but this is this is interesting. I don't know that I could answer it for myself. So my gifts in one word, um, it, I, visionary. I mean, a visionary sees the potential of tomorrow and then has the courage to charge the hill and hopefully inspire people to follow them. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think that's how God made me. Yeah, that's true. All right. So how are you thinking about this new year coming? This year's different. And, uh, Kind of a disclaimer for anybody listening, I'm turning 40 in like three weeks. And so I've got a lot of issues going on right now. Like I've got so many midlife adjustments from counselors to coaches to spiritual advisors who are helping me sort through my mess. So this is an interesting time to process some of this. And uh, this year's different for me. I don't have really clear goals. Um, I don't have clear hill. I don't see the clear hill that I'm going to charge um, or accomplish or whatever. It, it's, it's more of a goal for more inward soundness and pacing, um, as I'm transitioning organizationally and in a season in multiple fronts, uh, or I'm just in midlife crisis or adjustment. Uh, and, and so I'm just trying to find healthier rhythms and paces. And if at the end of this year, I feel more unhurried and that the pace of my life is more conducive for what I'm longing for in this next chapter, that'll be the win. And, and that'll be, that'll come less through earning, achieving, and more through, uh, pacing and receiving and waiting on some stuff. So that's a little disorienting, but that's what I'm most excited about and expecting about this year. Uh, it's been fun. Robbie and I are very on a parallel journey. So we've been talking a little bit about this before, but 
I'm the same. Like, Mr. Intentionality, give me a roadmap, give me my hills to climb this year. And this year feels totally different. And I'm almost um, uh, resisting trying to put something in front of me because it would almost be a distraction from where I am right now. And so if it's like, if I can stay in the present and let God take care of the future, like that'll be okay. It'll be, it'll be great. Um, the way that I've been phrasing that as a mantra for the year is intentional with relationship and instinctual with leader, with, uh, business, with strategy, right? Just, um, Robbie, you had a great guest on your podcast quick plug there for the true face podcast but uh dr is parrot is that such a parrot yeah or dr roger parrot awesome conversation uh he wrote a book called opportunity leadership which feels like the opposite of intentional leadership because his whole premise was uh we're you know like three-year plans suck one-year plans suck we're gonna just do what we know we need to do and and let opportunities come our way be able to react to those and his track record speaks for itself. He's, oh, yeah. he's outperformed. He uh, runs a university and he's outperformed uh, all the other universities. Most universities, I'm not sure. but uh, it, he, he talks in the book about most leadership principles, paradigms are more like be a jet boat, increase the horsepower, point in the direction and go yeah. as hard as you can. And he talks about leadership is more like prepare and design your organization as a sailboat. So you don't like, so you're ready to catch winds and be quick to say yes to opportunities and, and, uh, maximize those and not force those. And, yeah. um, and he has a framework for how to decide that we can unpack later, but the, yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah. I feel a little bit hypocritical because it's like the captain of system and soul, like everything is like, let's make the plan. And, and I, so I think there is a balance to it. It's not all or nothing, but for me in the season that I'm in trying to go slower, um, be present, the relationships are the things that matter. I, and one of the ways I got there is I look back at, you know, 20 years of leading businesses and saying, what am I actually proud of? Yeah. And the top three things that I'm proud of are people that, I feel like I've shaped and groomed and have seen potential in before they, they saw it in themselves and they're living it out now in all their glory. And I just look at them and smile. And so if I, if I think about that, then it goes, okay, maybe that's what I need to be more focused on for the next 10 years. All right. So here's a question uh, for you guys on intentionality and how you plan this stuff. Cause I've got a fear. I'm taking over your podcast right now. That's the point. It, when you're eight, like one of my greatest fears, which has driven a lot of my life and un, the unhealthy underpinning that's led to intentionality is this overwhelming fear I've had since I was like 10 of looking back at 80 and going, I wish I should have. So one of the cheats for me is systematically like every six months, retroactive looking backwards and going what's been off like what will i not be proud of what will 10 years from now go man i was too much in the season didn't do enough there you know just that pause and reflection so when we think about goals and heading into the new year there's there's two approaches and there's obviously a balance of both but what's your predisposition or what's your preference like do you see the potential of tomorrow and start designing that or do you let the reflection on the past year and missed misses misalignments help direct your plans because there's two different ways to think about this i'm usually horrible at reflecting mm. 
So like my brain's just always in the future. Gotcha. Um, that said at the end of last year, uh, as an organization, I felt like we missed, like we just missed a lot of the things that we set out to do, but we got this cool affirmation at the end of the year in a very special way about who we were as an organization and letting that sink in and letting the who we are overshadow what we did or did not do and the reality that that was so much more important at the end of the day like i would take that over hitting our numbers so um that that was a helpful reflection to look forward and know what's really important what about you mark sure i i like you i mean i i'm i would say i'm probably not an expert in this arena i used to I mean, spend a tremendous amount of time reflecting and setting goals across, I mean, work and family and coaching or personal development, I mean, gym across the board. And then I, I feel like maybe a, a switch flipped four or five years ago where it was, I felt like I was living too much in the future, like you mentioned, Benj, and always as, as a maximizer, like you referenced in my intro, I'm sitting there trying to maximize every single thing and, and doing very little living in the moment. And so now at this point, I mean, the, the goal uh, is, is, is maximizing each one of those little moments. Uh, I mean, from a business perspective, I mean, my, uh, my North Star goal is I want to maximize each and every minute that I spend in the business to have maximum revenue coming back to my family. As I, I mean, uh, don't tell any of my, of my clients, but as I, the last several years, I've focused less and less on the business and gotten less excited about it. And it's really become more of a, a fundraiser for the things that I love to do, which is to spend time with my family, which is to uh, lead young men in these leadership development groups, and then to, to pour into the, the kids out on the athletic fields. And so the crazy thing with that is I think the, the the less focus on business goals and maximizing that piece, actually the the better uh, better outcomes I've had, which is crazy. So just kind of the single minded focus of of maximizing every little life energy that I've put into my business to bring in maximum revenue to fundraise the things that I'm really passionate about has created a uh, a bit of a windfall from a, a business and a revenue perspective, which is super interesting. Talk about, let us in a little bit on your actual work week, because this is one of the areas you're, you're up on the edge of it with what you're talking about right now, but your level of maximization of a work week. And, and really I would define it as boundaries. I think boundaries are as helpful or more helpful that, as, as goals are, but um, you've got it locked in. Sure. So that's, I mean, that, that's a fairly complicated question. I'll try to hit a couple of the key details. When I was actually, I haven't talked much about business, but I mean, on a high level, I build marketing teams for B2B technology companies. And so I, I work with typically CMOs, VPs of marketing for B2B tech companies. It used to be 100% focused on Atlanta. And then now that's gotten a little bit wider from a geographic perspective with all the work from home, but a very niche business. So I think the key part of that is uh, our, our friend and late mentor, Reggie Campbell, and uh, I was starting the business back in 2009 and spending a lot of time with him. And, and he gave me some strategy and he said, based on your particular wiring and what you're looking to do in the future, he said, you need to 
niche to get rich. And so over the last uh, nine years or so, I have, have niched and niched and niched my business down to the, 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 the specific area where uh, I can fulfill that dream of maximum revenue from minimal input. And so on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm, I mean, again, excellence through selective neglect. I mean, no is my default answer on probably 90% of opportunities in business. And I cherry pick those opportunities that are only going to create that maximum revenue. And so I've gotten, maybe you call it selfish or particular or niched into this world. I get a lot of, I mean, sometimes I'll get clients that are upset about it. And they're like, what do you, what do you mean you're not going to work with me? This is a... $50,000 search or $50,000 fee. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It does not align with exactly what I want to do. Maybe it's the searches that I have on my plate right now. I want all those to align and have a similar profile. Uh, and so I think that's first and foremost, I mean, just niching and niching and niching down to that exact piece that fits me as a person and what I want to do on a day-to-day -day basis. And then from a, uh, a work week, week perspective, uh, when my uh, Nine-year-old son was born. I, I got kicked out of the spe spare bedroom I was using as an office and, and built a, an external office similar to the one that we're sitting in now. And uh, I was listening to a uh, an Andy Stanley sermon, and he was talking about uh, at that point in time, he was in, in the early days of building North Point Community Church. So for audiences, it's one of the, the, the largest churches in North America. Um, he had three kids in diapers at that point in time, and, and he sat down and prayed a prayer, and he said, it was, it was Lord, build the best possible church that you can on 30 hours of my time per week. I like that. So I sat down and prayed that same prayer. And so when nine years ago, I prayed that prayer, and it was amazing how uh, when you set some boundaries like that, the, the cream really rises to the crop and what's going to be most important. So moving forward three years later when my seven-year-old son was born I prayed that same prayer and it's like Lord build the absolute best and 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 whatever business you want to build on 20 hours per week of my time and so for the last seven years I've been working at a 20 hour per week pace which has been uh, absolutely life-giving and fulfilling on my end but uh, I think in setting some of those boundaries it's like the you take a typical 40-hour work week or, or what have you, I mean, how many of those hours are actually spent out 100% focused on the business or the clients or more specifically uh, ringing the cash register? And so uh, those, I mean, the 20 hours that I'm head down, I mean, I, I, I am competitive. I am a former athlete, so I am absolutely busting it. I mean, I'm not scrolling Facebook. I'm not goofing off. I mean, the phone calls that I take, the client discussions, I mean, everything is gonna, is specifically focused on that. I mean, single-minded proposition is I want to do the absolute best I can in that particular moment and then turn it off and go play baseball with my son yeah. or spend, have a date with my wife. So, I mean, early on in my career, my dad would use a quote, say, I was kind of anybody's dog that would hunt with me. I mean, you want to talk to me? I'm going to talk to you. You want to go to lunch? Sure, I'm there. And you don't realize, I mean, how, I mean, you go break up your work day with a, a lunch and spend, I mean, half an hour getting there, an hour and a half lunch, half an hour back. I mean, that's a half day burned in a hurry. And so, again, I have to say no to a lot of things to say yes to the best things. Do you still have no meeting days? Uh, I have a lot of no meeting days. 
a lot of the, unless it's on the boat. So most of my no meeting days would be uh, with my, so, so you, you asked the, the schedule and perfect dignity. Yeah. So I, I've spent a lot of time with that. I mean, reflecting and designing that perfect day that aligns, I mean, perfect week, cadence, seasons, I mean, sprinting versus marathon type work. And so, I mean, I, I'm up, I mean, every morning get the kids off to school and then the next hour is going to be specifically focused on me. And so, I, I don't I mean, a lot of time that's Bible and journaling. Uh, sometimes if I'm tired, I'll, I'll go back and I mean, curl up under the bed and take a nap until ready to get started. And so, typically... Uh, I get started at work most days about 9 a.m. and I, I push hard to being 10:45, 11. Uh, I eat the frog in the morning. And for, from that quote, I mean whatever is going to be most important to do uh, on that day, whether it, it's a client call or maybe I'm researching something, maybe I'm writing something. I mean that that time, I mean mid morning is where I'm absolutely most productive. Uh, so I push extremely hard from 9 a.m. till 10:45 typically. Uh, I usually go to the gym, kind of break up my day that way. I'll, I'll go to the gym, whether I'm in the pool or lifting weights or treadmill or what have you. And that typically from I mean, 11 till 12, 15 or so, uh, typically come home from that point and eat lunch with my wife and daughter and spend some quality relationship time. And then back in the office, typically from maybe one till 2.45, 3 o'clock, kids get off the bus. And then from there, I'm 100% dad mode and, and typically on the, the ball field or basketball gym until dinner time, which is... Somebody lovely. somebody listening is going, that must be nice that you have that flexibility, that ability. But, I mean, watching you for years, this wasn't like you were just... I, I, think, if, I think if we are left to our own you know, demise, that would never happen, right? That isn't just because you only have that much work to do. You've, you've intentionally engineered the life you want to have and worked to get it there. Is that a fair way to say it? Yes, absolutely. And I think, yeah. Sounds like a whittler. He's like whittled away anything that doesn't fit. Yeah. I love the term selective neglect. Yes. Like, and that's the boundaries too. The boundaries are the things that I'm committing to neglect so that I can whatever, whatever that might be. And I, I just, to, I mean, from that, uh, Robbie, you and I have talked a little bit about it. One of the neat things that uh, on some of these system and soul podcasts I've listened to, and it says, if you, if we were to Google something, what, what, what can we, what, what do you want to know about you that you could not and Google and find out? And, uh, one of the things that I was thinking and praying about, about in the last week or so is the fact that I have absolutely amazing parents. And so, Robbie, you and I have talked a little bit about that, about what it, what an advantage in life to have amazing parents and specifically uh, a dad that sets an awesome example in life. And so a lot of that was watching him. I mean, he, uh, he was a, a school teacher uh, in my early years. Both my mom and dad were, were school teachers. And then he ultimately uh, took on a side job selling insurance uh, and then moved out into that full time. And he, he was the, he was the dad that was, I mean, every day when we got off of the bus, he was there with the basketball or the baseball or the fishing pole. I'm like, what do you want to do? And so having, I mean, having that example and, and kind of seeing that and the richness that it gave me and, and our family growing up just to have, I mean, a dad that was involved and engaged in all areas. I mean, he, he had multiple 
opportunities to probably be promoted, to, to travel, to take on bigger jobs, to do different things. But uh, kind of like me, he just maximized and like you mentioned, whittled down into exactly what he wanted to do on a day-to-day basis. And the bulk of that was focused on family. And so I've kind of taken that example and ran with it and continued to, to maximize and maximize from a, a work perspective and every single decision that I've made for the most part over the last 20 some odd years of my working career has been on that focus of, hey, I want to be the, the dad that is there at all times. What, what, this is for both of you guys, but as we think about parenting and dadding, what, what are your intentionalities with your children in this season of life or how is that showing up? I mean, you mentioned a lot of those, Mark, in terms of schedule the availability and the coaching. Yeah, I, I think like 80% of being a great uh, dad is, am I a, a healthy guy and do I have a healthy marriage? So like, let's not overlook, like I'm going to do all this stuff and I'm an a-hole or my marriage is on the rocks. And like, that's 80, conservatively 80% of the equation of, you know, how much counseling our kids are going to go to about father wounds and all the issues. Um, So I think at the end of the day, if we're talking about parenting, let's just say what's the, what is a healthier version of me look like today? And then I'll do that again tomorrow. And what is prioritizing marriage look like today? And parenting will take care of itself. Yeah. With that said, I'm struggling with the battles of screens and being present. So like when I reflect back on the past six months and how I'll reflect back on this chapter of eight kids, 12 to four, uh, it's just the biggest battle for me personally is I'm coming home too tired to be present mentally. Um, I'll work the right hours, but I'm having a hard time shutting my brain down uh, and slowing the machine in order to be present. Like the deepest joys in my life are like, when I'm actually slow enough to look in the eyes of my seven-year-old and be present with him, which I struggle with being present. And so that's my biggest like, oh, I'm going to miss, I'm going to wish I had those times back. The like the potential regret from the past six months is that I struggle to be present with my kids. And and the biggest uh, thing getting in the way of that screens, like it's just such a constant battle and it's so annoying. Uh, so actually I'm... Uh, a, a little bit into January here as we're recording this, we're doing a screen-free January as a house. So we binged hard in December <laughs> and we're going cold turkey and we're in detox right now. Like zero screens for anybody. Like if the internet doesn't work, like screens don't work. And it's been amazing uh, in regards to some of the moments of presence, but it, I'm just kind of, that fear, regret is shaping what's the th- the action I can do today. So I think if we ask, what's the, what does a healthier me look like today? What's a healthier marriage look like? Those are 80%. The remaining is what's one action I can do to tackle whatever's out of whack. And in my life, it's been screens of forcing yeah. to not be present. Yeah. Uh, the one thing in our family, um, I agree, it's about who you are when you show up, you know, modeling a healthy person, relationship with your spouse, all that. The one thing that I, I'm starting to feel urgency now that my oldest is, is 14 with the parenting thing. So, um, I, uh, Robbie prompted this and I sat down at the beginning of the year and made a reading list 
by grade, eighth grade through senior in high school, of four books that I want them to read each year and they have to do a net out. Uh, A one page review. Yeah, one page. Just this is what I got out of it. This is what I want to remember from it. Yep. Uh, That's where I use the net outs is I can go back and like, I know that there was some nugget that I need right now from that book. And so I just go pull that up and that's been helpful. So for them to, for them to graduate high school with these, what is that? 20 books, 20 net outs, different subjects, um, different experiences coming from those. But it was really about like, what do I want them to know by the time they go off into, into the world? So it's, it's really about, it's not even about the books. In fact, they could probably read the net outs of, of the books from like a cliff notes, but the process of them internalizing it through reading it and all that. So I'm going to do that with them. We've, we, we mapped that out. We've got a couple books that they've got to read pre eighth grade. And then I've got a giant list of like bonus books. So if they knock out their four, I'm probably going to bribe them on the additional ones. Um, some amount of money per book that they read and, and net out just because the, I think the wisdom that they'd get uh, and the practice of doing it would pay dividends. So it's a little bit of an investment. We're also thinking about, um, we are talking through a business plan right now to do with the kids. Um, so it would be their deal and, um, using that just to learn, um, because if you can manage a business, you can manage a household. And so it's, it's just a great application way of thinking about all the different things that need to happen in a project and making them to come together and work together and, uh, as of right now, everybody in the family is excited about it. We'll see how long that maintains. So I did 80% is let's just be awesome. But there are some intentionalities that I've picked up from older guys and like some reading, like we have a five-year-old, we have different milestone trips because I think in the West, we do a terrible job in like rite of passage, blessing. Yes. Um, the, the power of when we tie like marked memorable experiences to truce when we tie a truth to a marked memorable experience that anchors in something in each of us, uh, we can do that at work. We can do that with each other. Um, and we can do that with our kids. So we have a system, we have a plan at a kid does an overnight trip with me. At, it, they get an overnight trip at five. We do a 10 year old adventure trip, which is a few nights. Um, and then at 13, 13 to 14 ish, uh, there's going to be a year of mentorship. I'm going to invite six or seven men and women over the course of a year to speak truth, uh, at least two one-on-one breakfasts with each of my kids um, so that they have a varying array of examples of men and women in their gifts. Because there was a study that came out and said the greatest determinant of a high schooler continuing in healthy way in college is do they have multiple adults uh, that they know and that they know them. Interesting. Um, and so I want to build that with intentionality that'll culminate at the end of that year with like a, a affirmation blessing ceremony. That's the rite of passage thing where those six men and women will speak what they saw and vow and affirm truths and attributes of my sons and daughters into their lives. And we'll, you know, make that cool. The goal is it's going to be different and weird. And so what they hear will have a better chance of anchoring in their heart and the remembering it than me saying something in a drive to school and being like, hey man, you're awesome or whatever. Uh, And then we're gonna do something at 18 I haven't prepared for. But uh, the book thing, I love. Like what are the four books a year, different years they have to do? And I do have a plan to teach them the family business of real estate that at 16, they have to take over managing a rental house. 
uh, and they get their allowance will be tied to their 10% property management of that. And then once they go to college, because I have no college savings because I have eight kids, uh, the plan is uh, to pay off eight homes by the time they get to college. And that home they manage from 16 to 18, if they're in full-time school, they continue to manage it and they get all the income from that house. Uh, so that's that's some intentionality of teaching the business and the hustle. That's more than some intentionality. You know, you have to start 15 years ahead or whatever that note is to get there. So, Hey, one last thing about that, which is really cool. If somebody wants to steal this, I stole this. I steal everything. I've never had an original idea in my, in my life. But at 14, between 14 and 18, they're going to get like a list of 20 things. Every man or every woman needs to know. And so it's going to be like uh, on a piece of wood and have like 20 things and they just cross it out as we do it. Kind of like a merit badge type thing. But it's like, I wish my dad failed. I didn't know how to cook a steak. I didn't know how to like, uh, I knew nothing about small engines. And like, those are stereotypical things to know, but it'd be awesome to know like a basic electrical, like how to change a socket and different stuff like um, rules of being a gentleman or how to read a book, you know, like how to thoughtfully uh, critique and analyze news sources, you know, like, and so we're going to, over the four years, it'll be like a, a plan of adventure to do those 20 things and they get across them out. And uh, so they'll be like super well-rounded theoretically at 18 when they leave the house. That's really cool. I can't wait to see that list. You don't have it yet? No, I got, I got a rough draft. I'll share it with you. Sounds like you got half of it in your head. Hey friends, we're going to keep talking and recording this, but you are going to take a break and we will see you on the next episode. When we come back, we're going to keep pouring into this idea of intentionality. We're going to talk through our marriage, our health, um, some, some peer group and, and how more on, uh, how Mark alluded to pouring into next generation and what that looks like from a leadership standpoint. And I think you'll find a lot of uh, application in your business to that conversation. So we will see you next episode.